One night, as a pastor was packing up after a concert, they must have had like a big concert in the church. You know, it was going to be late. It was going to be all night kind of thing. Um, a pastor sent his children to like a babysitter's house to be there while they were there really late. While he was packing up after the concert, he sent a young woman to pick up his kids, to pick up his kids. And um, since the young woman had never met the children and the children had never met the young woman, he tells the woman, like, listen, we have a family code word, right? We have a family code word that you give our kids this word. They know, they're going to know that I gave you that word and they're going to go with you. They're going to go with you. That's our code word. The secret family code word. Um, I said, so when you get there, tell Trevor the code word and he'll come with you. A little later, the pastor received a phone call because Trevor had refused to leave with this woman. He was adamant, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. Call my dad, call my dad, call my dad. So finally, she's like, "Uh, Pastor, I'm with Trevor, and he is not moving. He's not budging. He doesn't want to come. So the pastor says, you know what, just put put him on the phone. Trevor, what's going on? Why are you not leaving with her? She gave you the code word. He said, said, "Uh, no, she did not give me the right word. And he said, what are you talking about? I told her that the code word was dinosaur monster. Dinosaur monster. And then Trevor said, "Uh, dad, that's wrong. The correct code word is dinosaur, not dinosaur monster. (laughs) Dinosaur. And the pastor's like, are you sure? Are you sure? And Trevor's like, I know I'm sure. The password is just dinosaur, not dinosaur monster. Okay, all right. So the pastor apologized. You know what, Trevor, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, But don't worry, it's okay. Just get in the car with this lady and let her bring you to the church. All of a sudden, there was this dead silence on the other end of of the line. And all of a sudden, you hear Trevor say, this it's me your dad Mickey Moore he's like Trevor just get in the car and come to church all right all right he said and he gets in the car and he goes to church and the funny thing is the pastor later he says he shared this this was a story that a pastor shared he said I felt so weird being interrogated by my six-year-old son Like, here I am being interrogated by this little child. I said, he knew what the word was. He knew what the password was, right, the code word. He knew what it was. And even though the words that were given were very close to the real thing, they weren't. And he knew the difference. Even though dinosaur and dinosaur monster are very similar. They are not the same thing. And this six-year-old knew the difference. Today's title is 
know the difference. Know the difference. And if you see this little artistic display here, you see it's, well, don't see it too bright, too well here, but it's like there's a nice looking side and a not so looking, not so nice looking side. There's a good side versus evil side. Know the difference. This is the first sermon on the topic of discernment that we're going to be hearing for the next couple weeks. I believe two or three weeks, uh, we're going to just be looking at discernment um, because I believe that it's important uh, that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we understand what that word means. And not only do we understand what it means, but that we all should desire that and have that. So, church, we're living in times that is changing, like rapidly changing, rapidly changing. I'm talking about something that's cool last week cannot be cool all of a sudden two weeks from now. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? especially of how expensive things are, right? So, like, the cool thing may have been to get the newest iPhone, and then you're realizing it's not so cool anymore because the Galaxy 23 is probably the best thing that ever came out. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So much money to buy something that you think is cool to find out the Galaxy made a better product. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's just. I know. I know. I know. You guys are a majority. Majority is Apple's products. I get it. I get it. I'm still praying for most of y'all. I still. Some of y'all are lost causes, but I'm praying for some of you guys. It's, it, our world is changing, it's changing, it's changing. And, and in this rapidly changing world, we're seeing that there is a crazy amount of opinions and ideas, and, and, and plus everybody's got a platform to share it, right? It's easy. It's easy. I mean, it's, it's easy to share any idea or opinion you may have. So in this world that's rapidly changing, something is good this day, then it's not, then it's good, then it's not. Um, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an idea. In this changing society and in a world full of opinions and ideas, how can I know? How can I know what is right and wrong? How can I know what is right and wrong? Where can I find true wisdom? Why is there so much confusion in the world when it comes to morality. Why is the world so confused? Is it moral or is it not? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Why is it so hard? What is good? What is evil? Who defines it? What about the gray areas? Yo, some of y'all love to live in the gray. Can I, can I be honest with y'all? Some, some people love to live in the gray. It's like a gray mud bath. But they just want to sit back and be in the gray. Like, yeah, I'm getting away with this because it does not bad, but it's, but it's not good. If it's in the gray area, it may not be bad. But is it good? Because if it was good, then it'd be in the good side. 
Why does corruption seem to happen on all levels of government and no one does anything about it? Both sides, both parties, all tre- all, every party that ever exists, we all know there's corruption at all types of levels. Do we love our country? Of course we do. But people walk around in this something called flesh and they fall victim to greed, to pride, right? To all sorts of things. We were, re- we were watching a show last night about... Uh, I think it was called the Murdoch case or something that happened down in South Carolina. I mean, when you get into that case, it gets, it's like a web. First, you think it's only one thing. And the deeper you dive into this political family's life, it was the corruption. It was murder. There was uh, uh, extort, 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 I mean, uh, extortion. I'm talking about like everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Who's to say what is right or wrong when it comes to sexuality? This is a big thing these days. Who's to say what's right and wrong? I was born a man. Why are you making a big deal that I want to be a woman now? The world's saying it's okay. Matter of fact, I can even compete in some women's sports now. Because I identify as a woman. Confusion. One day I want the church to understand this. You guys know my stance and our stance as a church when it comes to the sexuality, uh, to, 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 to all the questions of it, because we, our answers are found in the Bible. But I believe that the church needs to do a better job loving and embracing those that struggle in that area, because what happens is this, they, have, they are sinning and, and they are addicted and they are confused and they are tormented by all sorts of ideas and feelings that are not godly ideas and feelings, but they need a savior. They need to be delivered. They need to be loved and set free and so forth. And so that can't happen if they're not, if, if they're not introduced to brothers and sisters that can help them along the way. And that's not to be confused with with compromise because I'm telling you where we stand. Marriage is between a man and a woman. God made man a man and he made woman a woman. There's no deciding you wanna change in between, okay? But some people have been lied to by the enemy Some people have gone through some traumatic situations. Some people are going through some things, and then what happens is they end up making some decisions, but we need to not abandon those people, but to love them so that they can experience the love of Christ through us, okay? The questions of all these questions that we have, they boggle the minds, right? They they boggle the minds of many, but the Bible has the answer to help us distinguish. Every answer is found in this book, to help us distinguish between good and evil. God also offers the power of discernment to those willing to understand. Discernment. Yo, Carter, come over here and preach with me. Carter, come on. 
Jesus said, let the children be. Let the children be. So we've heard messages about waking up. We've heard messages about revival, right? Um, but listen, let me tell you something. If we have been awoken, right, if we have been dead but now we're revived, right, then as an awoken body of Christ, as a revived body of Christ, then we should be able to hear his voice. If we are awake and revived, we should be able to distinguish when God is speaking and when God is not. We should be able to discern his voice and understand his guidance. You know, in some cases, it's pretty easy to decide what's right and what's wrong. Some cases, right? It's pretty easy to separate good and evil at times. Terrorist attack on the Twin Towers, good or evil? You know? Going to Kensington and, fe- and feeding them and clothing them, good or evil? Okay. You see what I'm saying? Some things are obvious. Some things are obvious. But there are times that recognizing good and evil seems to be a subjective judgment. Sometimes it's subjective judgment that decides if something is good or evil. <laughs> you, ever, you ever talk to people, right? You ever, you ever talk to people that, um, that have told you when you're trying to find advice to if this is wrong or, or bad to do it? Joanna, you think it's wrong if I go buck wild and do this and that, blah, blah, right? Oh, both of y'all, y'all next to each other. Joanna goes, well, if you do it and you feel okay about it, then it's not bad. I mean, have you not heard that? I mean, you know, we're like, well, if you do it and, and you feel good about it and you don't feel bad about it, then it wasn't bad. It was good. But if you do it and then you feel bad about it, then it was bad. That's their advice. So if I go and murder somebody but don't feel bad about it, then I guess it was a good thing? There's a lot of room there for gray when it comes to our individual opinions. So Scripture tells us that left to ourselves, we're unable to decide. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man. Seems right, but its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. So sometimes we could be walking around and we could be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. It seems good to me. And that thing leads to death. Because we don't have the ability to truly understand the difference between good and evil on our own. There's a stern warning about knowing the difference. The prophet Isaiah warns us in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good. And good who put darkness for light and light for who put bitter for sweet and sweet for? 
He starts out with this woe. This woe doesn't mean like, oh, bendito. It doesn't mean like, oh, you know, sorry for them. This is a woe like, like, like you're disturbed because you know woe to that person. Man, that person is going to die. That person's going to end in destruction. That person's going to have a horrible end to what this. So imagine, remember the pirate movies when they're, when they're on the plank, walking the plank, and there's sharks and stuff on the bottom? Like watching that person walk the plank, right? You're like, man, I feel sorry for that person. It's not just a sorry for, their, for, for little things. It's like their life is going to end. Like, man, I just feel so bad because they're about to die. That's the, that's, the, that's the woe to those who call evil good. Like, man, you are about to die. You are heading toward destruction. You don't realize that, that the path that you're going, like, is a horrible path to be on, and what you're going to go through is a horrible thing. And, I'm, and, and, and my heart kind of just breaks for that because I see that in advance to those who call evil good and good evil. But because God loves us so much, he doesn't just leave us to try to figure it out on our, on our own. That's the thing. There's nothing that he leaves us to try to figure out. Everything's in here. I mean, we need to open it and read it to kind of like figure out like through here, but not figure out without any type of resource. Because he loves us, God, makes a, he may, he, God wants us to make a distinction and he wants us to choose what is good. He wants us to choose what is good. King David wrote in Psalms 24, 14, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Depart from evil means if this is bad, let me walk away from that first. Then the next thing is after I've walked away from what was not good, now it's time for me to do good. And now as I'm doing good and I'm seeking the peace that comes with doing good and pursuing that is what God desires. Like that's what he wants. It's simple. It's simple. Something like, oh, that does sound pretty simple. It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. It's easy instructions. How to live life for dummies. It's easy. It's easy. John also points out in 3 John 1.11, he says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Oh, man. Do not imitate what is evil. And that's what we see every day. We see the masses imitating evil every day. They see something on TV with evil roots or paganistic ideas or whatever, and they imitate it because it's the new thing. He who does not, he who does good is of God. (laughs) So if I don't do good, then I'm doing evil. If I'm not doing good, I'm doing evil. But if I'm doing evil, then that means I'm not God's. Do you know what it is 
to, to, to know that God is looking down and be like, ah, she's one of mine, with a big old smile on his face? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God looking down at you, proud and pleased to say he's one of mine, like he did with Job? When he did with Job, like, oh, yeah, he's, he's got my back. God says, if you do good, you are of God. You're one of his. When you do good, when you're living a life that is of doing good based on the scriptures, not what society is telling you is good, he's pleased and he's like, man, that's my Stevie right there. So he does. Okay, so how does God define good? How does God define good? Well, let's take a look at some obvious things here. Um, Romans chapter 7, verse 12 says, Therefore, the law is holy. Say holy. holy. And the commandment, holy and just and good. Say good. So just by this one verse, I see that the law and his commandments are just and good. So if I'm going to say, what does God define as good? I'm going to say, well, the Ten Commandments. Let's start with the easy stuff, right? The Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 12, chapter 12, uh, verse 28 says, Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after uh, you forever, when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. But pastor, oh, this is something I was talking to my wife. You ever heard people say something really quick and then you don't even think about what they actually said and you be co-signing on it? You have to be careful what you co-sign on. Like, like, like when you like this, like I've heard people say, like, especially when it comes to the Ten Commandments, and we and we try to we try to encourage people to st- still follow the Ten Commandments. Then you have some people who come up like, ah, but you know what, Pastor? Christ came to, um, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so, blah, 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 and and they start talking like, like if that's supposed to mean that we don't. Did you hear what you said? He didn't come to abolish it. Means he didn't come to break it apart or say that it was no that it was void. He came to fulfill it. So it's still part of the law. And so what happens is people have said that, and I'm the only one that heard that. I'm the only one that heard that. Some people were like, "Oh, he came to he didn't come to uh, abolish the law. He came to fulfill it." And so therefore, we don't have to we don't have to you know be held to the to the Ten Commandments. And I'm like. He didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill it. How are you getting the rest of what you're saying? But it sounds, it may sound good for some people that got that that gift of gab, right? Don't co-sign on things too quickly. That's why the sermon is so important. Jesus Christ was on earth, and what he did was he reiterated the importance of keeping the commandments. Matthew 19, 17 says, so he said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. I didn't write it. Jesus said it. We know that the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20. And we know that they're the, the basic fundamentals 
of what God uh, defines as good, as good. Because he loves us, he wants to show us how to truly love him and our neighbors. And the Ten Commandments pretty much teach us how to do that. But, but Pastor, somewhere in the New Testament, didn't, didn't like Jesus say there was just two commandments that were important? Okay, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked that. I'm glad you asked that. When Jesus was asked what were the greatest commandments in the law was, he, was, he summarized the Ten Commandments in this way. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, 38. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this, this is the first and great commandment. So this is what he said. The first greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, all that. Well, if we take a closer look, can you guys read that? Ten commandments. If we take a closer look, what he said was the first and greatest commandment actually sums up the first four. If we're going to love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, we're not going to have any other gods before him. If we're going to love God with our heart, our mind, and our soul, we're not going to make any idols before that are not him. Idols against him, any idols, period. If we're going to love him with heart, mind, and soul, we're not going to take his name in vain. If we're going to love him with our heart, mind, and soul, we're going to keep the day Sabbath holy because it's, it's a day that we just give to him. Then he continues in, in, in verse 39, and he says, Jesus, uh, Jesus continued, the second is like you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that second commandment sums up the remaining six. Some of y'all are like, The remaining six, because remember, love your neighbor as you love yourself, meaning love other people. Let me just say, love other people as you would love yourself, right? Well, if you do that, you're going to honor your mother and father, father, right? If you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're not going to murder them. If you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're not going to commit adultery. You ain't going to sleep with none of their wives or husbands and stuff like that. Hope not. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're not going to steal from them. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're not going to um, talk bad things about them. You're not going to lie about them, slander their character. Because, you know, when you say, people don't understand what bear false witness against your neighbor means. That means you're saying something about someone that's not true. The bochinche has got to go. <laughs> bochinche means gossip. <laughs> you shall not covet. So the thing is, if you love your neighbor, you're not coveting your neighbor. Okay, so the thing is this. So we see how, <laughs> I look at it like this. I look at it like Jesus was like, man, they can't handle these 12. Let me just sum it up for them real quick. These 10. They can't handle these 10. Let me just sum it up for them real quick. If they can just do these two, they're covered. He broke it down in the, in the Marine Corps. We used, to say, we used to say, break it down Barney style. Anybody? Anybody, anybody know what that means? I don't know. 
Okay, remember Barney the, the purple dinosaur? All right. So, what ha- oh, oh you, you're a big Barney fan? Okay. So, so what happened is, <laughs> so, so in the military, in the military, all types of people, all cultures and races, all brain levels are put into one place. And what happens is some people may understand things quicker than other people. Um, when, I was a, when I was a sergeant, and I had my, my when, I, when I would go into to talk to my, to my Marines, I would go in there and I'm like, all right, look, I'm going to break this down to you guys, Barney style, so that everybody can understand. When you break something down Barney style, it means that a five-year-old will be able to hear these instructions and do it. Jesus was like, let me break these commandments down Barney style for them. And he made it simple. Love me with all your heart your mind, and your soul. Just love me with all of it and love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do these two things, then guess what? These are covered. These are covered. Thank you, Jesus. So we said we're talking about the sermon. This is the first Sunday uh, sermon about the sermon. And so uh, Charles Spurgeon said, the sermon is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it's telling the difference between right and almost right. It's the ability to tell the difference between right and almost right. In the Bible, the Hebrew word translated for discern means to understand, to consider, to perceive, right? And if we study also the, in the Greek word, uh, translate for discerning, which is, I think, I want to say diacrisis, uh, diacrisis. It means a distinguishing, to distinguish, a distinguishing, a discerning, or judging. Throughout the Bible, we see the importance, the importance to be able to distinguish between good and evil. As we use the Ten Commandments that are guide for goodness, we will also uh, be able to see more clearly what is evil or sinful. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good place to start, right? But the reality is that some things are still in the gray. We've mentioned before, some things are still in the gray. And when they're in the gray, what happens is sometimes we're not, okay, an example of the gray is when we're not able to determine the motives of some people. That's gray. Is it good or is it bad? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean he seemed nice when he came and talking to me. It seemed like he was talking a nice thing, but he'd be able to discern, is it good? Is it a bad? I mean, what is he coming at? What are, his, what are his motives? What is his desires? What happens is, another thing is that at times we get so emotionally, all right, listen, listen carefully, church. We get so emotionally involved in social or political issues I'm still going to say it. We get so involved in social or political issues so much to the point where we can't really see the line between good and evil anymore because it's all about the cause now. It's all about the issue. And so all of a sudden, like, uh, it, the, what's good and evil can almost 
be distorted in the midst of something that may have been obvious, but then it becomes something else. As a result of something like this, we begin to tie ourselves to certain movements, right, (laughs) that we should have never tied ourselves to in the first place because their intentions are far from good. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We serve a just God. I'm all about, I'm all about seeing justice. I'm all about God uh, making sure that, the, the, you know, that, that, that those that do wrong, they get punished. That those, I, we, that, that's going to happen. I believe that we should still speak against what's right and wrong and not keep our mouth shut. But I believe that you can't co-sign on everything because some things are an agenda that lead to somewhere else. And they, 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 they prey on your emotions to get you wrapped up in certain things. And before you know it, <laughs> it's, not, it's not good that's being represented in the first, in the anymore. This is why this sermon is so important. This is why this sermon is important. <laughs> you know, um... We read the verse about God wanting our heart, our mind, and our soul, right? You know where the emotions reside? They reside in that area, your heart, your mind, and your soul. That's where your emotions reside, all through there. And so what happens is if we are led by our emotions, we will head toward destruction. (laughs) Because some of y'all know, some of y'all would have lost your cool and done something foolish and maybe wouldn't be here today if you were led by emotions, right? Or some other people may not be anymore because you were led by emotions. And what happens is that's why he says, love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. He's saying, surrender that all to me. Surrender it all to me. So therefore, you can't be led by your emotions if your emotions through your heart, your mind, and your soul have been surrendered to me. You can't be led by that. We cannot be led by our emotions. Heart is deceitful. All right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, man, all right, all right, all right. God asked. Three more hours, three more hours. I'm good. <laughs> King Solomon, right? After David died, after David died, uh, King Solomon was, um, Solomon was next in line to be king. And we have a dialogue between him and God because um, God asked him something in a dream. And in the dream, God was like, yo, what do you want? Like, what do you want? He, got, he said, ask. He's like, what you need? Can you imagine? Can you imagine God giving you up what you want? Wait, wait, what do you mean? Is that your question? Whatever you want. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Well, I want infinity wishes. That's the one we used to all go to, right? One wish. What would it be? Infinite wishes. No, you can't wish that. King Solomon responds to God. He says, now, O Lord, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart 
a discerning heart, an understanding heart, a wise heart, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. He said, out of all the things he could have asked for, he says, I want an understanding heart. I want a discerning heart. I want to know the difference between right and wrong so that I can lead your people well. When we can't distinguish between good or evil, when you have a problem maybe in the gray area, right? When we can't discern the motives of people, if they're good or bad, then the first place to go to is God. Go to God the Father in prayer. First uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it should be given to him. Yo, you ever ask, <laughs> you ever ask a child, for those that have children, even if they're grown, they were once little, right? But you ever, have, uh, you ever like watch your small child eating a snack and it looks good? And you kind of hungry? And you'd be like, yo, can I get some of that? And your child, sometimes, depends how you catch them, right? They don't want to say no because then they'll go into the whole speech about sharing and they may not want to hear it, right? So what happens is they go, they get their snack because they're going to give you, they're going to share with you, right? And they, they, let me just... You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You kind of hungry. You just want a bite, maybe a whole cookie or something, right? Maybe they have a bunch of cookies, and you ask for a cookie, and they break you off a crumb. You know what I'm talking about, Mackenzie. You know. I mean, Carter, <laughs> Mackenzie's upstairs. You know what? Now you got that one. I gotta... She's not the little one no more. So what happens is, what happens is, is when we ask of God for wisdom. He doesn't, he doesn't like go in his pocket and then break you off a little bit of, he doesn't do that. When you say, Lord, I need wisdom, he's like, boom! What you got? It's like it catches you off guard when you ask your kid for a piece of the snack and then your kid goes, you can have it all. You're like, oh. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was so hungry. <laughs> and so what happens is, and so, so, so he, the Bible says that when you ask for wisdom, he gives to all liberally and without reproach, meaning if you deserve it or not, he's still going to give you that. God was so pleased with Solomon's reply that he approved his request. 1 Kings 3, 12 says, I have done accordingly to, according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after. Yo, he blessed him to the point where he answered his prayer. He made him wise and understanding, gave him all that discernment to the point where he was the wisest person at that time. And not only that time, but ever again in life. So, According to the scripture, even to this day, there has been no one as wise as Solomon. Do you, 
Look at the magnitude of the blessing that he, that he, check this out. To this day, no one still has been as wise as him. Solomon asked in faith for discernment, and so can you. So can you. He was pleased with, with his request for discernment. Can you, who, I want God to be pleased with me, right? So if someone tells me, hey, did you know that God was pleased with Solomon when Solomon asked for discernment, I'm going to put two and two together and like, so if I ask God for discernment, he might be pleased with me too. He might be pleased with me too. It, it will probably be pleasing for God for, for me to go before him and say, Lord, I know you can give me everything, but what I want is a discerning heart. The sermon, <laughs> the sermon isn't a permanent gift. The sermon is not a permanent gift. Yo, I love it. We got to put her in the kids' choir. That's all, it's all good. It's all good. Yo, sal, uh, the sermon is, a permanent, is not a permanent gift. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Yeah, it's not a permanent gift. We must use it or lose it. Wait a minute. Are you sure about that? Mm, I don't know about that, Pastor, because, you know, once you get, you know, God's gift, you know, I don't know. You got to use it or lose it. Listen, after praying for discernment and receiving God's spirit, um, which is a gift from God given after you repent and you're baptized, right? We need to exercise discernment. We need to exercise it. We must continue to obey. Continue to obey. That's the part that gets us. Ugh. I got to what? You gotta, I got to continue this? I mean, I just, I just wanted to do it for a little bit. I got to keep living like this? Using Solomon's example, we use his example to uh, see how he asked for discernment and God gave him the sermon, right? So using that same example, right? He initially had wisdom and discernment, but he lost it when he allowed his personal desires. He lost it when he allowed his personal desires to, um, to influence his judgment and wisdom. And you can read about that in chapter 11 of 1 Kings 4 to 10. But what happened was, but what happened was, he decided to marry some ladies, plural. Plural, ladies, right? <laughs> he married plural ladies. Um, and in doing so, these ladies came with their own ideas and their own concepts and their own desires. And what happened was he was so in love and infatuated and wanted to please them in such a manner that what he did was, even after experiencing receiving this gift of discernment from God himself, he chose to um, allow pagan worship because his wives would worship pagan gods. So now there's an influence, a pagan influence in the land. He lost his discernment. His heart was turned and he, he practiced evil, which led to disaster. 
Church, we need to continue to obey so that we don't lose the power of discernment. If God, if you ask for discernment, he's going to give it to you because he wants you to understand. But if you don't continue living a life that he desires for us to be living and obeying the laws that he's given us, then, then we lose it. We can't be people, listen, we can't be people that pray to God, oh, God, please, I need this, I need your help, blah, 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 and God says, boom, there you go. Help, provision, save your family, save your husband, save your wife, whatever the case may be. You get it. You say, oh, thank you so much, God. Thank you so much. Peace. And you walk away. You, you, you hear what I'm saying, right? You hear what I'm saying? God, I need you. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to help me. I need you to help me. He helps you. And uh, thank you. All right, peace. Now I'm going to live the way I always want to live anyway. That's like taking something and walking out. Anybody ever dine and dash? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I don't know. Damien raised his hand. You, I know your parents don't know about that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's like dining and dashing on God and, 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 and with no fear of the wrath of God in your life. Like, really? I mean, you're not really taking nothing from him. He's still God, right? I mean, it was nothing for him to help you like that. He was, you know, but the thing is, like, like, he's a wrathful God. He's a jealous God. The Bible says that, right? We just do those things and never, never think about the wrath that can come. And then we wonder later, like, I don't know how I'm in this place. Well... According to my calculations, back in 2014, you asked God to. All right. I know. You made a covenant. You broke it. My wife made a covenant to love me forever. Forever. You ain't getting out of this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, back to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. And what it tells us, those verses talk about a maturity. They talk about a maturity and a discernment as a result of us using and practicing. You know, there's an action that's involved there, right? It, 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 it's, 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 it's figuring out what's good versus evil. And it's, it's not something that just happens once. It's, a, it's a, um, a daily thing, right? And so discernment is not a permanent gift. You use it or you lose it. In closing, in closing, I want to say this. The good news is this. We live in a world that's super changing. We live in a world that uh, what says what good is bad and what bad is good. I mean, we, they're all confused, right? We live in a very confused world. Um, but the good news is that there is one day that is coming, and, and it's getting nearer and nearer each day where good will triumph over evil. It will. Good will triumph over evil. Christ will return to, to the earth, and at his command, Satan will be bound up. Like at his command. Take him. Take him out. And he'll be bound up. 
Like that, that's, I mean, that, that day is, is, is getting closer and closer. Satan once deceived Adam and Eve, right, into eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what happened was after that, the, the rest of the world just kind of followed through that. But his rule, the enemy's rule will come to an end when Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And for now, until that day, for now, we need to live lives of discernment, knowing what's right and knowing what's wrong, not based on what the world tells us, not based on what, you know, Frankie down the block or whatever the case may be, but, but the, what the Bible says.